Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities. IberiaBank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. In New Orleans, there's great food everywhere, from the white tablecloths here at Commander's Palace to the white paper wrapping your po' boy. We're never far from fabulous food, but sometimes when you're hungry and you really don't have time to stop and eat, even here in New Orleans, we're prepared to compromise quality and taste for speed. If you're at a convenience store and you're starving, you might even settle for one of those damp, triangle-shaped sandwiches from the store refrigerator. How about this for a business idea? What if you could combine the speed of the convenience store with real Louisiana food that tastes good? And that's the principle behind Crispy Crunchy Foods. Crispy Crunchy sells its Cajun fried chicken in over 2,000 convenience store locations in 36 states. In 2015, the company had revenue of $106 million. Dan Shapiro is the executive vice president of the explosively successful Crispy Crunchy Foods. Dan, welcome out to lunch. Thanks. Now, if you've got your Cajun fried chicken, you don't want to insult it by washing it down with a second-rate beer. So how about getting an ice-cold glass of Japonica or duckweed or bottom feeder? They're just some of the beers made by New Orleans brewery 40 Arpent Brewing Company. The founder of 40 Arpent is Michael Nockan. Michael, welcome out to lunch. Thank you, Peter. All right, Dan, I'll start with you. Crispy Crunchy Foods is a phenomenal success story, and it's getting bigger. Obviously, you've gotten the formula down for putting fried chicken into convenience stores, but I have to start by asking you this. If there's one group of people who are, let's see, put it politely, the most unconventional business owners and employees anywhere, it would have to be the folks who serve you at convenience stores. The key element of your product is superior quality compared to typical convenience store food, with this broad range of unique clients, how do you maintain that all-important quality control? Well, that, that is the tricky part. So everything we do is designed to be done by the minimum wage type employee. So it's, it's all time and temperature. Um, so we don't want chefs. You know, unlike here at right, Commander right. Palace. <laughs> um, you know, so Those two places have never been compared, by the way. <laughs> right. <I'd like> right. <laughs> so as long as they can, you know, fry the chicken for 15 minutes at 350 degrees and, you know, and, and, and then, um, you know, the jambalaya and the red beans and rice and all the other stuff that goes with it, it's, it's all, like I said, time and temperature. So follow the directions. Well, now, you tell us where you come in. Like, let's say, uh, how do you pitch a convenience store to have you... Be that, be that guy in there. So convenience stores um, are under attack in terms of what's traditionally their, their biggest uh, revenue and gross profit makers. What was that? Cigarettes, 
Lottery tickets? Oh, okay. I'm lottery sorry. tickets. Okay, there's there's no margin in lottery okay, tickets. Okay, sorry about that. I we'll mean, there's 5% margin. Beer would be, margin would be in the other one, right? <laughs> beer, right. So you got cigarettes. Of course, we know what's happening to cigarettes. Beer, you know, back, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was six packs and 12 packs. Now it's 32 packs, 38 packs. So your margin has gone from, you know, a 30% gross profit to a 12. Oh. Um, and then fuel. So, uh, you know, now almost all the fuel is uh, sold via credit card. I mean, huge percentage. Credit card companies charge almost 3%. So a typical fuel margin, 15 cents a gallon, which it was 20 years ago when, when gas was, you know, 57 cents and 99 right. cents. You're, you're basically paying half of your uh, gross profit to the credit card companies. Oh. Uh, high volume convenience stores have more credit card fees than they do mortgage right now. <laughs> so they're all looking for a new profit center and food is what they're looking at. Wow, now you, how do you pick a convenience store that's gonna work in? I mean, is it a certain size or? So, yeah, we, we, we try not to open anything that we don't think will do at least 20,000 a month at retail in our chicken program. Um, so we look at uh, foot traffic, merchandise sales, demographics, and things like that. So, so that tells us whether or not we think this location will be successful. And what about the other part where you, uh, do you physically bring the food in? Is that your role? So we have distributors. Uh, Cisco is our right. biggest distributor. And, um, and so what we do is we sell our product to our distributors and then we have them deliver it for us to each individual convenience store. So uh, it's a great model. So we, we make our profit by selling our product to the distributor, so that way that enables us not to charge franchise fees or royalties to the, uh, to the operator. It's funny, because that's what I would have thought the model was, but yours is a very different model. Right. Wow, that is good. Now, now Michael, a word of caution we always hear about starting a new business is to make sure you're solving a problem that needs solving. Uh, when you started 40R Pen, you were giving up a previously a uh, decades-long career as a hairstylist and owner at Beehive Hair Studio. That's quite a leap. What made you certain that the one thing New Orleanians needed was one more beer? <laughs> well, I have to say, Peter, I wasn't certain they needed another beer <laughs> as much as I wanted to give them another beer. Um, you know, when I uh, entered the industry, uh, there weren't a lot of options in New Orleans. Uh, nationally, we were probably one of the last uh, markets that... Uh, most out-of-state breweries haven't hit. Um, oh. So uh, we have the lowest per capita uh, uh, amount of breweries in, of any other state in the country right now. Um, now that's going to change over time, but it definitely has allowed uh, for market growth for our company. And uh, you know we're seeing a lot of other people starting to come into the market as well right now. How do you get... Um how do you get shelf space? We distribute uh, our beer uh, through uh, Crescent Crown distributors in New Orleans. And uh, what we do is, is typically sell directly to wholesalers. It depends on what state you're selling your product in. Most states run under the three-tier system. Which means there's a middleman everywhere, right? Yes, yes, there is a middleman. Now, we do have seven states in the country that uh, have uh, uh, no three-tier system. And you're allowed to distribute your product directly. Uh, but that would probably be, I mean, when you look at your, your first of all, the brewery is, brewery is down in St. Bernard, right? Correct. And uh, so you're getting it into a, a keg. 
and then these guys are picking it up and... Uh, Correct, that's exactly what they're doing. Now, uh, we have a sales team and the distributor has a sales team as well. Uh, so those guys go out into the market and you know promote and uh, sell, the pro sell the product to uh, our different customers. Uh, we like to think that we typically have about four tiers of customer in our business. Uh, our first customer is the distributor. Uh, our second customer after that is the bar owner, bar manager. Our third customer is actually their staff. And yeah. finally, our fourth customer is the actual end user. So we have to uh, meet the needs and demands of, of four levels of, of customership before we actually can see a return on the product that we've uh, produced. You know, a lot of people fall in love with the, the brewing uh, process and such, and it's very romantic and such, but you've, you really, you've got a, your arms around the business side of this. Well, yeah, you know, uh, I ran my own business uh, previously for about 10 years, uh, so moving into a different business uh, Definitely had its challenges, but it, it wasn't as much of a struggle, I think, as for someone who is going to wake up tomorrow and say, you know, I'm going to start a business and has never done it before. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the beer industry is quite different uh, than the hair industry. <laughs> I can assure you, uh, it's a lot more regulated. And men uh, don't lose their beer at a certain age. That's a good example. <laughs> they, uh, hey, I got to ask you, what is an arpent? Uh, an arpent is a French land measurement. So uh, most of Louisiana was divided in arpents uh, long before they used acres here. Uh, wow. So uh, I grew up on a 40 arpent canal. Uh, now that was in Homa. Right yep, outside yep. of Homa, correct, correct. Uh, and there are quite a few 40 arpent canals throughout the state. Um, I grew up on one of the many. And in St. Bernard, we have a 40 arpent canal as well. Dan, tell me about, when I go in and I see your operation, I see a, uh, a case, a fryer, a, who pays for that, or who's, who owns that? The operator does. Okay. <clears throat> so what we do is, so a couple of things have made us, what we think, you know, made us successful. One is, it's a great product. The food is a great product. Um, secondly, uh, the graphics, the whole look, you know, because we want people to come into the convenience store and not think that it's somebody's brother-in-law in the back room, you know, cooking chicken. That's <laughs> we want it to almost look like it's a franchise. Um, and then, of course, the training. We're, we're real big on training. But So the operator has to invest in the, uh, the equipment and the graphics. So it can be anywhere from, depending on if they're, you know, if they have a hood and have been trying to do some food themselves, it can be ten or fifteen thousand dollar investment. If they have nothing, it's probably thirty-five to forty thousand dollars. But great return on investment, you know, because they can, they already have the building, they have the utilities, you know. So there's going to be some increase in utilities. They have the insurance. They, you know, they have everything. They have the employees. So, you know, at twenty, thirty, forty thousand a month in chicken. I mean, they can make some some really good uh, net profit on that. And you're coming at them at a time when their other margins are shrinking. Right. Michael, we talked to Dan about why he, uh, you know, how he chooses a convenience store to work with. How did you choose St. Bernard as where you wanted to put the brewery? One day, kind of doing a tour of the parish, trying to find some uh, industrial spots to put the brewery in, uh, I came upon the guy, Carl Dozier, who is now my business partner, and he was like, I just bought a building on the riverfront up here, and I have no idea what I want to do with it. So I said, well, I think I have the idea, you know. <laughs> and uh, w I think like most guys, as soon as he heard beer, he was, he was instantly sold. So. <laughs> hey, I've got to ask you, you do something very unusual in that you have these home brewers 
uh, over to your facility. What do they do there and why do you do it? Yeah, well, I was uh, part of the homebrew club in New Orleans, which is the Crescent City Homebrewers, uh, for quite many years. So it, it's, uh, I think, an opportunity to give back because, you know, over those ye years, uh, some of the other brewmasters in the city, Sunny Day, uh, Peter Cadeau, uh, Sonny's at uh, Gordon Biersch, and Peter is, uh, as many people might know, is NOLA Brewing yeah. Company's uh, brewmaster. Uh, you know, those guys have all been a part of the club. So it, it, it's kind of an opportunity to, to, to give back and further the club. You know, it's, it's why we're there in the first place is, is to bring everyone who shows up to a next level in their ability to brew beer. Uh, so it, it, it just gives us an opportunity now to give these guys commercial experience yeah. as well as a home brewing experience uh, because that's, that's not something that we really had the ability to do. So you're doing something that wasn't available to you, which is... Uh, exactly. I hope you help them come up with cool names like duckweed. <laughs> well, they, is, uh, they, they come up with some imaginative ones on their own. <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Rashidi. My guests, Michael Nockhan from 40 Arpen Brewing Company and Dan Shapiro from Crispy Crunchy Foods. Dan, let me just ask you, where is... Uh, I know this sounds like the chicken and egg question, but where does the chicken come from? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get too Eggs. macro here. Eggs, right? <laughs> um, so uh, uh, Tyson is one of our biggest producers of chicken. What they do is they marinate our chicken for us. So it's a needle injection type marinade. We're the only um, company who does that. Um, so so uh, you get that flavor to the bone, you know, so you can peel the you can peel the breading off, and you can eat that meat, and you still get that flavor. So, uh, you know, Tyson, we're, we're averaging about 800,000 pounds a week Whoa. right now with Tyson. You are a big customer. We are. We, are. We're, we figured we, we do about 1.5% of their total food service poultry business. They do about 50 million pounds Whoa. a week, and we're 800,000 of that. So, um, so, yeah, so we've grown a lot. So, so... It gets, um, uh, the chicken gets needle injected with the marinade, uh, gets packaged in our boxes with crispy, crunchy label on it, and then it gets, uh, you know, it gets shipped to the whatever distributor is ordering through us, through crispy, crunchy. The price of chicken runs up and down and such. Do you, would you be in a position to hedge or anything like that? We, yes. Um, we, what we do is we do, we do a contract and, uh, you know, we'll do it for a quarter, you know, six months, a month. We'll, we'll do all that stuff. And, and uh, we've only lost once. <laughs> um. <laughs> now, Dan, Michael, it's the part of the show we call your brother-in-law. Uh, you're driving home after a long day at work and your phone rings. You look at it and you see it's your brother-in-law calling you. He usually only calls when he wants free chicken or beer, but you decide to pick it up anyway. And, and this time it's not the same old conversation. Uh, Dan, your brother-in-law says he's decided to go into business for himself. He's going to cash out his 401k and use all his savings to buy into a convenience store franchise. What would you advise him? <laughs> Uh, by war bonds. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, con <laughs> convenience stores. I've I've run convenience stores pretty much my most of my working life. Oh, okay. And which is how I got into this business. But um, convenience stores are tough to run. You need to know what you're doing. Uh, you need to make sure you got the right location. Um, 
you know, uh, the right employees, the, the, the whole, because it's 24-hour business usually. So uh, what I would do is I'd say, okay, show me what you want to buy, you know, and then I would advise you whether or not I think it will be a good one or a bad one. Good advice. This is good, good advice. Now, Michael, your brother-in-law says you inspired him to follow his dreams, and he and his buddy are going to quit their day jobs and turn their home brew hobby into a business. They've even got a name for it: brother-in-law's beer. <laughs> What's your advice to him? <laughs> uh, I, th I think at this point, my advice would be uh, possibly to steer away from the production side of the industry and maybe go toward uh, the brew pub, uh, gastro pub end of the industry. Um, that's definitely been the long end, uh, uh, trend, I would say, for probably about the last decade that we've seen throughout the rest of the country, but not so much in Louisiana at this point. But we will begin to see that, I believe, grow locally more so than the production brewery. So, you know, guys that are focusing on small batch brewing with uh, food and uh, potentially other alcohol offerings uh, at their locations. Good advice. You, I hope you have brother-in-laws because you're, you're really good at this. They, uh, Michael, Dan, let's do a round of one quick question. These are questions that have come in from listeners over the past week. We had so many questions this week. I, I'm going to ask you just one each. Uh, Michael, uh, this question came in on Twitter from Atlas and Otta, and who asks, how do you get yourself apart with such strong competition among breweries in Louisiana? Uh, well, first off, you have to have quality. Uh, I, I think that that is, is one of the things that has separated us uh, from some of the other breweries. Uh, I have to admit, though, we, we try to separate ourselves from more or less the out-of-state breweries that are coming in here. Um, you know, most of the guys who own breweries in Louisiana, they're all from pretty much the same backgrounds and upbringings as myself. Uh, you know, we really want to try to help each other out a lot more so than uh, have competition between each other. So I, I think a lot of that falls uh, on being on a national level. And once you're playing on a national level, it doesn't take long for people to realize whether or not the quality is in your product. Now, do you? Com uh, I always wondered about this. Do you compete on price, or is that just not? Oh, really? you compete on everything. You compete on price. You compete on look. You compete on quality. Uh, and there is absolutely com competition for employment. You know, it doesn't take long before you know you have somebody under your wing who is excelling at their job and they meet someone at a national brewery and the next thing you know they're handing in their resignation so <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it, it, it's very competitive but when you find the right people and they believe in the product that you produce uh, it's it's pretty easy to keep them around now Dan this question came in uh, for you from TD Markham and TD says there are now millions of healthy eaters who would buy healthy fast food if it was available is it too cost prohibitive to offer, or is just nobody thought of doing that yet? So, so Peter. <laughs> um, so what we find, you know, we, we, it's funny, what people say and what they do are two separate things we have learned. Um, we actually tried to do a grilled chicken program, and so did KFC, if you remember. Oh, yeah, I remember Where's that. Where's that? Gone. Gone. Right? Um, <laughs> Same with us. Um, and so, I mean, people love comfort food. They love fried chicken. I'll tell you, we, uh, I have to tell you a funny story. 
So we opened our first location in Oregon about probably six months ago or so. And I was up there, and uh, there are people, you know, pe people think of Oregon as being a very healthy state, yeah. which is true, because there were people who were coming in who have never had fried chicken in their life. <laughs> and they were a little weird, you know, a little wary of, of this, and we were giving out samples, and they could not believe how delicious it was. So <laughs> Oregon, this, this location in Oregon is, is in the top 10 of our largest volume locations now. Wow. We are now the new thing in Oregon, <laughs> fried chicken. Dan Shapiro, Michael Nockan, making fried chicken and beer might not sound as hip as building an app or as cutting edge as 3D printing, but it sure is working for the two of you. In a competitive market that's not sitting around waiting for y'all to show up, you're both making serious inroads. I look forward to keeping up with both of you and sharing some beer and chicken with you in the future. Uh, thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate thank you, it. Peter. <laughs> My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Dan Shapiro, Executive Vice President of Crispy Crunchy Foods, and Michael Nockan, the founder of 40 Arpent Brewing Company. You can find out more about Dan's chicken and Michael's beer by following the links on our websites, itsneworleans.com and wwno.org. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Matthew Ellison. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear more of Mitch's music wherever great jazz is streamed or stolen uh, at MitchellForeman.com. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, and don't kid yourself, you do, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. The photos were taken today by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for a hundred in 28 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, iberiabank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp and 30 North Investments. Mm -hmm.